We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ready? Down! Put, 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 put! This is the Bear Report Podcast. With Zach Pearson, Zach Pearson, and Aaron Lemming, Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears. Go Bears! Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming. And now, joining us here on the Bear Report podcast is Chris Fetters. He's the editor of Dogman on Twenty Four Seven Sports. They cover the Washington Huskies. He's here to give us some insight on Roma Dunze, a wide receiver prospect, as well as some other prospects that Washington has going into the 2024 NFL draft, their fits potentially with the Bears, especially on the Rome side. Uh, Chris, thanks so much for taking the time uh, to join us. Hey, no problem at all, man. My pleasure. Hey, so yeah. before we get started, I just <laughs> I have to ask this right out of the gate because this has bothered me. I'm, I'm a big animal Uh-oh. person. I'm a big dog person. How is it that it's the Washington Huskies, but yet your live mascot is a Malamute? Yeah, they've they've gone through Huskies and Malamutes over the years. I mean, they've actually used Siberian Huskies and they've gone Malamutes. I think the Malamute probably just works better as a live mascot than a, than a Husky. I know Malamutes are obviously working dogs and whatnot, but they've also been able to find a certain breed that that works really well with them and. So, yeah, this is actually the second Dubs, if I remember right. Yeah, Dubs 1. Now this is Dubs 2 that they're on right now. I think he's like seven or eight years old now. So, but, yeah, it's it's a little confusing. But then it's just as confusing as the dogs up at Washington compared to the dogs down in Georgia. I mean, who's who's got the claim over that? I mean, everyone knows that the hashtags are all for, for Georgia, but people in, people in the state of Washington and the Northwest, when they think dogs, they – think university of washington so who knows i i appreciate that explanation because i think it was chrissy freud uh she covers i want to say well i don't know who she covers now but she used to cover georgia and she was the one who pointed out it was a malmute and i was like what in the heck so i jumped on google and i'm like doing all this research and i'm looking and like you said i mean this is a second iteration of the same dog you know same name and i'm like why like it just it makes like it just it, it confused me and it my, it was mind blowing so when zach told me that we we're going to have you on i i was going to wait until my turn but i just couldn't help myself and i'm sure everybody's loving the dog talk when they're here to hear about you know all the washington prospects so i'll shut up now but thank you for answering my question well i, I guarantee you there's a lot of washington fans out there that feel they have the best live mascot in the country now i guarantee you 
the University of Colorado fans are going to be out there saying that Ralphie is the best, and you won't get any argument from me. <laughs> I think when you've got a freaking buffalo out there running around, that pretty much trumps everything as far as I'm concerned. But, yeah, they, the Washington fans are generally very, very proud of, of Dubs, Dubs 2, just the whole lineage of the Huskies that they use, even though, yes, technically they are Malamutes. Yeah, I uh, I agree. The uh, the the Colorado mascot is uh is a good one. Let's uh, let's get into the draft talk though. Um, I guess right away, give us your impressions of Rome as a player, as a person, um, his time at Washington. Just a, just a little background for our listeners. Sure. Um, first of all, you will not meet a nicer guy. A nicer guy. Seriously. Um, you know, been dealing with media requests and things like that. And we've talked to Rome dozens of times in, in all the years that he's been at Washington, you know, and he even had a chance to go pro last year, but yet with him and Michael Penix and, and Jalen McMillan, Jalen Polk, um, the two tackles, Troy Fautanu, Roger Rosengarten, Braylon Trice, uh, all those guys coming back to kind of form the nucleus of the 2023 team that everyone saw go to the national championship game. And he was a huge part of that uh, kind of that uh, group that said, Hey, we've got a chance to do something really, really special for the 2023 season. And and as everyone knows, he was a huge part of that. So, but in, in meeting him in person and talking to him over the years, you won't find a nicer guy Um, answered all of our questions and, and really did it with a smile on his face and, and clearly was one of the focal point guys that the media wanted to talk to outside of uh, outside of Michael Penix. Rome was probably the second most talked to guy, and, and he never shied away from an interview request, you know, even after the, the Michigan game and things like that. You know, he, he held his uh, head up high and, and did everything that you would expect a pro to do. And so from a character standpoint, you won't find a better guy out there from a football perspective, I think everyone's seen it. Just put on the tape. Um, you know, everyone out there as far as a, a GM in the NFL is looking for that prototypical 6'3", 6'4", 220, can run a 4'4", can high point the ball, can, can you know, be a slot guy as well as a, as a Y or a Z and, and, and do all those things and, and wherever you need to put him. And he'll do that. And he's, he's exactly that guy. He can, he can be – um, a, a security blanket for a quarterback, but he can also take the top off. He can pretty much do it all. And he showed that he's only one of two Washington receivers all time to go for back-to-back thousand yard seasons. The other one being Reggie Williams and Reggie had a pretty decent career in the NFL. Uh, I think Rome can certainly do as well as Reggie did in the, in the league, if not better. And uh, Reggie was taken top 10, if I remember correctly to Jacksonville. So um, you know, there's a strong lineage there of the quarterback of the, of the receivers there, and and Washington's going to have three receivers in Indianapolis, if I remember correctly. Rome's going to be there, Jalen McMillan, Jalen Polk, so they're going to be really, really well representative represented along with guys like Penix and and a whole bunch. I think there's like a dozen guys going from Washington to the combine, so um, going to be inundated with, with um, guys wearing the purple and gold, so to speak. But you know. I can't say <laughs> I literally have no bad words about Roma Dunze. He's he's fantastic on the field, off the field, does everything you want, was a guy that would stay late, work with the jugs machine, catch balls. Um, there's very, very I, you guys can pick apart his game. You you can you can tell me if there are any holes in his game, but from the writer's perspective, the guy that covers the beat, what have you, I didn't see it. 
And he literally, you know, when you look at him, you look at a guy like Troy Franklin from Oregon. I know a lot of people kind of lump them in. To me, he's a thicker, bigger version of of Troy Franklin. And Franklin's a heck of a, a receiver. And in and, and Troy Franklin was to Bo Nix what Roma Dunze was to Michael Penix. I mean, both, you know, guys that they could count on. So Again, uh, I'm kind of running long, but really there's no, nothing, no bad words I could ever say about Roma Dunze. He's class guy on and off the field, fantastic football player, and I think he's going to make some team very, very happy. Well, I can promise you, you are never going to be running long. We love, we love long answers. We love insightful answers. So this is absolutely fantastic. So and this is going to sound like a little bit of a weird question because, I mean, you look at his numbers and – the last two years he's really produced, but like you look at 2022 to 2023 and there's been some talk and granted, I haven't watched a ton of Washington this year when I have, it's been brought up. So that's why I'm going to ask it. But you look at, you know, 2021 and 2022, I mean, combine those together and, you know, look at 2023. I mean, his numbers are better in 2023 than the last two years combined. And that's not even a knock him because in 2022, he had over a thousand yards and seven touchdowns. But a lot of the national narrative, especially when you watch Washington games, is talking about how much he bulked up uh, this past offseason, how much better he is at high pointing the ball, kind of being that, you know, that 50-50 guy that kind of turns into a 70-30 guy. What have you seen going from, you know, 2022 into 2023? Like, where were the big changes? I mean, what he went from a good, a good college receiver to one of the, you know, one of the one of the elite. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, he, he certainly did. He certainly did. And I think there are, there are definitely some factors that contributed to it. First of all, I just think that the, the, the chemistry – between Panics and, and Rome, as well as Panics and the other uh, receivers like Jalen Polk and, and Jalen McMillan, just continued to grow. I mean, they they found the nuances in the game. And when you run an offense that Ryan Grubb and Kalen DeBoer developed, you're running pro schemes, you're running a lot of the things that you'll see in the NFL game. And I just think that it was it was all about detail. And it was all about just getting to the point where those guys knew it inside and out, and it just became muscle memory to them. And so when there were certain routes and things like that, like if you look at that that first Oregon game at the very, very end, they really ran a little solo on the left side for Rome because they had packed the right side and had trips on the right, and they just wanted to create it, try to create a one-on-one matchup. And even though Evan Williams from Oregon was coming over the top, he was late, and that allowed Rome – 
to kind of get in a situation where he could win in the end zone. And, and Mike Penix just put it in the perfect spot. And that's just all about trust and reps and all of those things. And so I think that was a big part of it. And then honestly, I think, guys, the other big part of it too was that Jalen McMillan got hurt for a number of games in the middle of the season. And so Penix relied on Rome even more. As, and, and, and also Jalen Polk to a, to a lesser extent, but really relied on Rome to be that guy. And I think that's also where he became really, really versatile and invaluable because he was not only catching like key third down passes, like he had a third down reception to move the chains to win the game at Oregon State, but at Oregon State, he also had two touchdown catches. And that, if, it, if you guys ever saw the tape on that game, the weather, I think, I don't know if I've seen a more brutal weather game in years. I mean, it was horrific. Um, you know, you could talk to guys like Josh Pate, who was there. Um, it was just extreme. It was just extreme. And for him to come up with two touchdown grabs in that kind of weather with the rain pouring down, the wind, everything else that was involved, that just showed how he has evolved and really turned into a real pro in all aspects of his game. So he had the possession part down. And you guys, Aaron, you mentioned it. Like he's he's done all the other key things like high pointing it winning the one-on-one battles. He had a couple key one-on-one battles uh, against USC, for instance, to keep the chains moving and things like that. So it wasn't just against, you know, any old teams. These were against really, really good teams, top 25 teams. He never shied away from the moment. And it seemed like when the moment got bigger, the lights got brighter, his game shined even more. And that's another part of it, I think, that really kind of took him from a certain level after the 2022 season to what we all saw in 2023. I'm glad you bring that up because, you know, from someone who, you know, I'm not a fan of a Pac-12 team. I don't, I follow the conference a little bit, um, but, you know, over the years, it's kind of been, correct me if I'm wrong, it's kind of been considered, you know, a weaker conference at times. This year was not, you know, that was not the case. It was a really strong, really strong conference. And you mentioned, you know, he did play Oregon twice. Um, I believe, you know, he's played good teams in that conference. How much did that help him um, or even his draft stock as the year went on? Oh, yeah. I think when you when you when you start the season off with Boise, who I believe was ranked, then you go to Michigan State, which wasn't ranked at the time, but everyone expected that the game was going to be a big, big game until everything kind of fell apart before that game was played. But then you go, you know, you go to Arizona and everyone knows what Arizona was able to do by the end of the year. They were considered arguably the hottest team in the country. And then <laughs> Washington has to poach their coach because Alabama poaches DeBoer. And so you've got you've got they you've got them going on again, like like you said, Zach, they, they played Oregon twice, they played at USC, they played Utah, they played at Oregon State. They had to the to hold on and beat Washington State by a field goal, very last play of the game. And then they go and beat Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game. Then they beat Texas, lose to Michigan in the national championship game. They went on a run there where I think it was eight or nine games in a row where they had beaten beaten their teams by 10 points or less, which I believe is a record. I don't know if that's ever been done before. And it so, it, again, it was just one of those things where the stakes continue to rise, continue to rise. Then they, you know, then the first playoff rankings come out and then they they have to continue to prove themselves 
because they aren't in those rankings yet. And then slowly but surely, some of these other teams fall by the wayside. They beat Oregon again, and then they get into the playoff, and the rest is history. But that's that'll tell you that when these things were continuing to mount up, a guy like Adunze never shrink from the challenge. And if anything, they had to find other ways to use him to win games. Like, again, pointing back to the Apple Cup, everyone talks about the, the, the national pundits and talking heads talk about this guts call with Ryan Grubb on fourth and one on Washington's final drive of the game where they reversed it and it was a pitch back to Rome and Rome gets like 25 yards on it. And they're talking about, you know, it was fourth and one. If they, if they get stuck, it's a chance where Washington state can now go and kick a field goal to win. So they're talking about the guts that it took, but the execution and the ability for Odunze to not only show what he can do as a receiver, but now what he can do with Yak, with the ball in his hands, also showed just another side of what he can do. And it was also a testament, guys, to what Kalen DeBoer and Ryan Grubb think of him. When it came down to arguably one of the probably two or three key moments in their entire season, they wanted to get the ball in Roma Dunze's hands because he's that valuable. Well, kind of transitioning to like, you know, what it is he's going to be in the NFL, right? Because I think every year, uh, you know, everybody's got a type of receiver, right? I mean, and I don't know how much you really, you know, evaluate from college in the NFL, but obviously covering the NFL, when we start talking about the draft, we're always looking not so much about what they do in college, but how that's going to translate to the NFL. My personal type is I love good route runners. I love, uh, you know, the, those, those, the smaller speed guys don't really do it for me a whole lot. And the bigger, you know, possession receivers that run really sloppy routes are also not my type, but I feel like Rome has a very good combination of both. I, I feel like, especially for a college receiver running more of his spread offense, he is a pretty polished route runner. All things, you know, all things considered, he's also really good at going up and getting it. We talked about all that. How do you think that he's going to fit into an offense? Let's say he gets drafted by the Bears at number nine overall. How do you think he'd fit in an offense that's going to be more of a timing-based scheme, you know, that West Coast, uh, Shanahan, McVay type of offense? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, I think he will fit in great because, again, I think he can be very chameleon-like. He can fit in wherever you need to fit him in. If that means playing in a slot, if that means being more of a – you know, because obviously being up here, the Seahawks are the, the the team I would watch. And you look at a guy like a Jackson Smith and Jigba, for instance, could he be kind of like that type of guy? Well, to me, Jalen McMillan is more of what JSN is, whereas Romo Dunze is not quite as big as um, as as Metcalf, for instance. But he can he has he possesses a lot of those physical type traits where he could be out wide and take a guy one-on-one because he did it all year long. So you really, it just depends. You can run him around. You can find your physical matchup, whatever you need that to be. And to be honest, guys, a big part of Ryan Grubb's offense in his play calling was was what they tried to do pre-snap. With all their shifts and their motions, 
And everything they tried to do before Michael Penix snapped the ball was to try to get their guys in their in the best position possible to beat the guy that they're supposed to be beating. So if they could find a mismatch, they were going to do that every single time. And typically the guy that would beat that mismatch would be Roma Dunze. So he knows all about trying to figure out whether it's the XYZ. They could even put him in the H. They could do him in all, they could put him in all sorts of places, guys. Because at 6'3, 215, 220, he he can he can go down the scene. He could even run tight end routes if he needed him to. Um, he's got that kind of versatility and athleticism to him. So again, I think whether it's whether it's pure West Coast, whether it's this Shanahan McVeigh model, um, you know, whether it's whether it's another type, you know, what however you want to however you want to go, I think he's got the versatility and athleticism to pretty much get the job done no matter what he's what what would be asked of him. I guess is probably the best way to say it. Was there one, two, three, you know, what, what, what plays really stood out to you? Was there anything like you were like, wow, like in his career, anything you remember, big games, um, even, you know, not those non-conference games against the smaller schools. Was there a play or a moment that, you know, you were just like, oh man, wow. Like I, I can't believe he did that. Well, I would say, I would say flat out that, 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 that fourth and one uh, in the Apple cup, wasn't wasn't one of those wow plays where he just literally did something that would make your jaw drop, but I think it was more a testament of hey, we need to make this play. Who is the guy that we need to use that will get that done for us? It's more of a testament of what he's capable of doing. But again, the, the touchdown catch against Oregon to go ahead in Seattle was absolutely huge, and he made that play look so simple. I mean, he catches it with both hands. But he's also he's almost making it look like he was he was catching the ball like he was in warmups, like it just it just was nothing to him. It just you know you you almost get the sense of like well if I could really try to get away with doing it one handed I might be able to do it if the stakes weren't as high as they were. So there's that. Um, I remember a play against USC where he went up and he actually tipped the ball to himself because he had so much awareness that the the it was a battle and I I don't remember exactly who he was. May have been Damani Jackson. I can't remember exactly who he was up against, but it was one of those where it was a contested catch. He couldn't catch it cleanly, so he tipped it, but he tipped it in a place where only he could catch it the second time around. And he came up with it, and it was just like it was on their sidelines. And the Washington, all the Washington players just flipped. And so there was that. There was again the two touchdowns at Oregon State, but it was that third down play that iced the game. And it was again one of those where Grub loved to do it. He loved to put all of all of the focus on the right side where they'd do trips or they, they would have everything going. They'd have the flow. They'd have everything going to the right side. And then they'd have Rome one-on-one. And he happened to be going up against a true freshman corner. And they, he, just, he just did a little stop route, passed the chains, boom, end of the game. Game's over. And that's just what they did with him. They could they could put him in almost any situation and he would deliver. And so those are just a few of the big plays this year that I remember off the top of my head, but I'm sure I could I could figure out a bunch more if I had a you know five or ten minutes. Yeah. Well, it sounds like I mean, even watching him, it's like, I mean, the, the guy just makes outstanding plays. And it's crazy because I feel like if this wasn't the year that Marvin Harrison Jr. was coming out, that Malik Davis was coming out. I mean, he would be probably unquestioned the number one, you know, the number one receiver coming out. I mean, especially if you look at over the last few years, there really hasn't been a clear cut one 
type of guy. So I kind of want to transition a little bit, uh, you know, just kind of the rest of the team. Cause like you pointed out not too long ago, uh, you know, Washington's going to have a lot of guys at the combine. They're going to have a lot of guys in the draft. Um, I, I guess I'll just, I guess I'll just ask you this way. Cause obviously, you know, you could probably break down every single player. Give me one guy on the offense side of the ball, one guy on the defense side of the ball that you think is going to translate really well to the NFL level uh, level. That is not Roma Dunze. Well, I mean, it'd be hard not to look at Michael Penix because he's, you know, he's just, I, I, he's so intriguing to me. And I, I'm sure he's got to be so intriguing to front offices because it, it's it's one of those things where you see what he does all year long. And then he beats Texas when they allow him to kind of see things a certain way. But then he goes up against arguably probably the most pro ready style of defense against Michigan and just gets handcuffed. And so it's like, which. Penix is really going to be the guy that will deliver in the NFL. So I, it's so interesting, I think, what Michael can do because he's just so unique. He is literally one of a kind. I, I, I know people like to compare him to Tua Tangovaloa. I, I don't necessarily see – I see it a little bit, but it's almost feel like they're making the comparison because they're both lefties. Other than that, I'm, I don't know how much I see other than the fact that I guess maybe they're – both they both have kind of that brave gene where they're they're unafraid to like make big throws and maybe throw into some tight windows because to me it feels like uh, Mike has a much stronger arm than Tua but that's just my opinion. Um, you know I think honestly the the guys that I think could translate really really well and I know at least one of them had a monster Senior Bowl week. Uh, the two tackles Roger Rosengarten and Troy Fautanu. Now Fautanu he's only six four he might. He might get moved inside. I don't know. I just know that guy's a fierce competitor. He is a fierce competitor. And if they want to move him inside to guard, he'd he'd be a standout. Um, I just know that out on the edge, he's just a special guy. He he handles the one-on-ones really, really well. And and Rosengarden, it's everything that we saw uh, from the reports down in Mobile that he just crushed it. And you looked at some of the film and some of the some of the stuff that was showing up on on X, you know, he's, he's just doing, he's, he's handling his business and he's a, he's a young kid too. That's the thing. He's a true redshirt sophomore. So, you know, I'd say those guys on offense and then defensively, you know, the only guy that, that really is going to be a standout, but I think he has a chance to be really special is Braylon Trice. Um, you know, he's about six, three, two seventy. Um, came on really strong at the end of the year. I'd say probably the first half of the season. It wasn't like he was un, he wasn't unproductive, but you'd have to look at the tape to show the production. He didn't have the sack numbers. He didn't have the tackle for loss numbers. But he was getting doubled a ton, and he was still pressuring the hell out of quarterbacks. I mean, he had a ton of pressures. And his, you know, and if you put any stock to like Pro Football Focus or anything like that, his grades were still top notch. But then once you got to the second half of the season when things really started to ramp up and the wins kept coming and the rankings started going up and things like that, it's just like Rome on offense. When, when, when they needed him the most, Braylon Trice really, really showed up. And he has a motor that just doesn't quit, just doesn't quit. And I think that's, to me, I think that's the most valuable asset you can have as an edge player because you just have to be relentless. I don't care how good your technique is because that can be coached. I don't care how, how naturally gifted you are and how athletic you are. If you have a motor that won't quit, you're going to eventually wear people out. And that's just, again, that's just my opinion.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My final question uh, before we kind of wrap things up here, is there anyone, you know, on next year's or, or next season's uh, Washington roster that, you know, will be get high draft hype or, or looks from the NFL that we should kind of keep an eye on? That's a great question. That's a great question. Cause if you, if you look at the two deeps for the national championship game, there's mm-hmm. basically two starters on defense and like, there's almost like literally nobody else. The uh, every single starter on offense is gone. I think eight of them are to the NFL, and and then two of the offensive linemen went to Ole Miss, and then the the center, um, Parker Brailsford, is now at Alabama. And then if you look at defense, they lost a ton of seniors, and then I think the only two coming back that in terms of starters would be Alfonso Tupatala and Elijah Jackson, the corner, who had the knockdown pass at the end of the Texas game. Look, that's it. All the rest of them were gone. I mean, literally gone. So when you look at Jed Fish and you look at the the task that he has ahead of him in terms of remaking this lineup, it's going to be – it's extreme, and it's already been extreme. Um, but I would have to say, honestly, if, if there's a couple of guys, I would say, you know, it's interesting because the, Jeremiah Hunter – the former Cal player receiver is transferring into Washington. Obviously haven't seen him play with Washington yet, but we've seen him a few years at Cal. He's a really, really good receiver. And he has a chance to be really, really good in this scheme that Fish and Brennan Carroll have that they're putting together. So I, I think that's a guy, but again, he's not he's not a former Husky player in terms of the 2023 season. But really it's hard. I mean, they're they're just they're so decimated, so decimated on the lineup. There's just very few guys. Like I said, only two two returning starters. You've got other guys like Carson Bruner, the linebacker, who is uh, he's going to start. Um, he's a guy that's really super talented, but we'll see just where he goes or what he can do. Um, his dad, Mark, played in the NFL as a tight end for the for the Steelers for years and years and years. Um, you know, but really, to be honest with you guys, there's there's a reason no one's talking about Washington right now in terms of the top twenty five. And all that's because they, they don't have anybody. They literally don't have anybody left. So they're they're having to kind of reconstruct their their roster from scratch. They're bringing in um, Rogers from Mississippi State's going to be the quarterback. Um, they're they're going to have to have a number of different running backs come in. They did have one running back last year in Cameron Davis, who got hurt right before the season started, and, and a lot of people expected him to to share time with. Um, with the running back that ended up taking the job, which is another Mississippi state guy and Dylan Johnson and Dylan Johnson ended up being the guy, but um, you know, Cam Davis, you know, probably will be that guy. So if there was one guy coming back, Cam Davis would probably be that guy, but I have no idea if CD is going to be even close to hundred percent. If he is, he's got a chance to be a potential pro player. I think for sure. Awesome. Good stuff, Chris. Um, where can everyone follow you on Twitter? Where can everyone read your work? Anything else you want to promote? Well, sure. Yeah. Dogman.com, D-A-W-G-M-A-N, the University of Washington site for the 24-7 Sports Network. 
uh, on X. You can see me at Chris uh, underscore Fetters, F-E-T-T-E-R-S, as in Sam. And that's about it. I mean, really, to be honest, <laughs> don't really advertise our stuff much out there. But uh, please come on over to, to Dogman. We'd love to. We'd love to see everyone because there's going to be a ton of draft talk. Obviously, we're already putting out some of the kind of the mock stuff that's going on. And and you know, again, Indianapolis, they're going to have at least a dozen guys at the combine, which I think could be a record for the Huskies. So it's going to be a really, really busy spring as far as that goes. Awesome. Good stuff. Thank you so much again. Okay. Thanks, guys.